Hello, this is Tim. And this is Rebecca. And you're listening to another episode of the Good Words Podcast. We are happy to be here and be recording again. Uh, We were so excited to record this episode of the podcast because, I don't know, because we feel like talking. And this is a great opportunity to talk to someone who is not three years old. (laughs) Yes, there's so many thoughts in my head, and I feel like I could not get my three-year-old to eat quick enough. Like, I've been very excited to record this podcast, and I felt like like our three-year-old has all of a sudden started eating at the pace of a snail, and I literally just want to go across the table and move his jaw up and down and make him eat. If only that actually worked. Like, that would be nice. Right, right. If only I could control his jaw speed. Like, is that a thing that we could install? (laughs) No, I'm afraid not. <laughs> I really wish it was, but no, nope, we are we are out of luck in that regard. Oh man! So um, yeah, so it's uh, it's uh, getting towards the end of June here, and uh, we're recording um, our fourth or fifth podcast since we've been home, and uh, we talked about books the last couple of weeks. Um, specifically that one book, Counterculture, but we pretty much finished that up and we didn't really feel like talking about it again this week. Um, So uh, we have another topic and to start it off, I think we're going to talk about what we discovered in our yard Friday night. Yes. So all day we've been seeing this doe in our our yard and we're like, oh, what's going on? Um, Hello, doe, will you move? And then when we walked out that night, we looked down in the grass and saw a fawn. And we were so excited. Like, we had the boys. And I'm like, this is one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It's like this brand new little tiny perfect fawn. It's little white spots. It's like the smallest little fawn I've ever seen. So cute. Super cute. And then, like, I start to be like, Tim, is his chest not moving? Right. It's not moving. And so, like, we, like hurry the boys along to the car and then I go back and kind of check like I poked it with a stick and it didn't move and I'm like oh and so it's yeah it was it was deceased and that was very sad it was horrible and I have to say like I I cannot get myself I have to will a feeling towards animals (laughs) at all like I just can't like them unless I really truly will it right Um, but it seems a little strange because you seem more sad about the dead fawn than you ever have been about anyone's pet. Oh yeah, totally. Like my own childhood dog. Like I didn't really care that it died if I'm honest, you know? (laughs) And I'm just like, what is my problem? But this is like, all shaking me up. But the, the mom deer keeps laying where her baby was laying and it was just like, it was just so sweet, you know? And, and our three-year-old won't stop like drawing pictures of the deer and our two-year-old who doesn't really talk in sentences yet had his like longest sentence. And the first thing when we, you know, got up that next morning, he came up to me and was like, mom i found baby deer where mommy and then he like tried to pull me out to try to help with the deer and we we did make the choice that we tried to tell them that it was dead and yeah and so yeah we talked about it and it was kind of one of those things where i don't know like at first we didn't really agree on it but we kind of decided to just dive in and try to be as honest with them as we can about it. Yeah, because we really value being super honest with our kids. And so that was kind of 
that decision where Tim was like, I was like, let's spare him from the grief. And Tim was like, let's just be honest with them. And, and, and I wasn't really thinking even our three-year-old was understanding it, you know, like even though he'd lost his grandpa, but then today he totally was like, yes, the deer, the baby deer is gone because he's dead. (laughs) And so I'm like, he's just making up all these other random stories about, you know, trying to deal with it and stuff, but, but he does. He, he understands. Yeah. He's just been processing it like kids do by drawing pictures and telling us stories about it. Yeah. Yeah. And making believe that, you know, the parents are just trapped somewhere and can't that's why they it. can't get to yeah. it. And, you know, but I think he at least understands it somewhat, but it was just, it was really awful. And then trying to decide, like, I was really glad I didn't have to, the Department of Wildlife won't take care of it on private property and so i was really glad that i did not have to deal with what tim had to deal with i did not yeah i'm not going to tell the boys how how we're disposing of the deer which is by uh, putting it out in the woods far away from our home where the other wild animals can take care of it as they would in in nature so yeah it just seems so horrible but i mean you can't really you're not supposed to bury it and so it's just yeah awful mm-hmm. but yeah i really don't know why that struck me so much but i just feel like i want to give the mom deer a hug mm-hmm. and it looks like such a young mom deer it looks like you know itself is how like long, one or two years old our colorado mule deer live i don't, I don't know. know but it's like it's a tiny mom and so it's just sad and yeah and i feel like um but yeah like i mean I don't know, like earlier this week, like, so we've been getting like dog poop in our yard, like these owners of their dogs, just let them run around or like, we'll take them on the trail, but then let them go in our yard. Yes. And so like, there was like this dog that was in our yard and I went out and I just glared at it until it left and stuff, you know, but I'm <laughs> like, nonverbal discipline right there. <laughs> but I'm like, I feel like my dream is to have some sort of electric thing that severely injures dogs that comes onto our property without my permission sure and so that's how i feel about animals <laughs> right i'm pretty sure i can i can build something like that but i want the deers to be able to come on hmm. or the bears or the mountain lions hey that's where we live they they belong here dogs do not belong here so if their owners are letting them uninvited come onto my property i'm pretty ticked well it's a good thing we did not get that uh lion dog that was massive that you know would come back from Nepal with us where you know we'd have this big furry beast animal that probably would have left so many dog doos all over our yard but at least it was my choice to have this dog and then I would clean up after it sure, you know but sure. I'm like I'm like should I just start letting my toddler run around and like go on people's yards <laughs> if he has to he has to <laughs> 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 that's what i feel like it is yes. <laughs> so anyway sorry so no it makes sense but this one this one was brutal this was a really bad animal experience for me but i feel like it was kind of cool that our kids drew so many pictures of the deer because this baby deer like was loved even though yeah. it probably never even lived for probably was just stillborn or whatever mm-hmm. you know but i'm like it had a lot of pictures drawn of it, mm-hmm. a lot of love. Really impacted it us. It had something. And I'm like, if it happened to us this quickly, like something like that is bound to happen again. The boys, like there's so much wild nature around us. Right. Like, they're bound, like they need to kind of know like, you know, that <laughs> wild animals are wild and that things happen and stuff. Right. Right. I don't know. That's how I feel about it. I'm not sure if that's right, but we'll see. 
Right. Um, yeah. So that's that was kind of crazy. That's kind of our, our weird uh, living in the mountains story. So we've got a few things going on. We went to church this morning and heard an interesting uh, sermon that uh, stimulated our brain cells in a certain direction, specifically around the topic of disappointment. Yes, yes, exactly. It was, you know, about when life moves you in a different way than than you're thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, and I and I think that there's different various hard things that we've been through in our lives. But, you know, there's there's sometimes in life where it's like you get one hard thing thrown at you and you work your way through that. You know, like um, when our house burned in a fire, that was one hard thing and yeah. we worked our way through that. For a number of months. Yeah. You know, and, and then there was another point in life where you had a series of layoffs right in a row, you yep. know, and, and that was hard. But it kind of felt like the major thing of that time, too. Yep. But I feel like right now we're kind of in this the storm of there just being a lot of disappointment and frustration in dreams and goals for us. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I think it's sort of the the frustration honestly is around coming back from three months overseas without a clear direction or something that I'm excited about. Like, you know, there's probably a lot of unhealth around this, but I'm, it's so important to me to have like a big goal that we're excited about, that we're working towards, that we're, you know, putting our all, you know, not every day, every hour, but that we, you know, have in our minds, like we're, we're shooting for this big goal. We're excited about the future because of this thing that, that could happen. Yeah. But when we came back, we were just exhausted and tired and it was so hard that we had no idea what we were supposed to do. Like we had no clear direction in our minds about like what the next thing is. Right. You know, and I, and I feel like that um, there's overarching dreams that we've, that we've had. And I feel this kind of this sense of rush where I'm like, Oh, good grief. The years are passing. Like, come on, God, let's, let's accomplish some of these, these big dreams. Let's see them. Let's see them resolve. Like, let's take one of them and make it happen, Mm -hmm. you know, but instead I feel like everywhere that I'm looking is like pain. And I feel like I've been crying most days, which is completely, I don't like to do and (laughs) embarrassing, (laughs) but it's like, because there's just like this kind of this grief of things not working out, you know, it's still in the writing world, you know, like there's still grief for me and and not really yeah. having a major published thing where I really felt so certain it was going to happen like early in life for me. Yeah. What's your, tell me a little bit more about that, like your path through writing and what that dream has looked like over the years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think like I've just, I received a lot of encouragement, like, you know, even in first grade, like I got the little story writing award, you know, and I feel like in college I got a lot of accomplished or a lot of, you know, um, I don't know, uh, encouragement and stuff like the professors being like, yes, yours was the best story. You're going to get published quickly, you know, and like all these like Mm. promises, but really, I mean, I've had like little things, but there's not been this significant work. And so, I mean, I've been sending things out and kind of feeling like this, this failing and stuff of it. And it's been a disappointment because I think I saw, myself as I was going to be an early published author and that was going to be my thing and I've definitely moved out of the 
you know, this happened in my 20s, you know, and it's like, you're not in your 20s anymore. <laughs> Let's not reveal that. Okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, you know, and so it's been like this, this course of disappointment, you know, and, and I felt like I had, you know, tried to work through some of that. But then there's, you know, like, it feels like it, it starts hurting in other areas when there's not like another area that's succeeding in like I feel like it's not like I can put it on the back burner because there's some area of success that's Mm -hmm. happening in my life it feels like when there's these areas that are all struggling like all of a sudden it becomes painful again that they are all the areas are struggling you know sure yeah absolutely I think that um I I think that's amazing you've shown me so much about persistence and about courage of dealing with rejection. Like it's so hard to have, have people ignore your work. Like I, I I do not have the ego for it, like to handle that sort of thing where it's like, it's not even like, give me a chance to do something for you. It's more like I've already done this thing and I think it's worthwhile. And I hope you think it's worthwhile too. Yeah. And, that's just, it feels like a whole different type of stabbing rejection. So it's amazing that you've been trying for all these years and just navigating that, I think, with, I think with a lot of uh, character. Well, thank you. That was super encouraging. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> well, you're going to make it harder to be depressed as, as we're sharing through oh, these things. Oh, <laughs> but that was our thing. We were supposed to both be depressed on this episode. <laughs> Oh, well. Um. Thank you. That was very nice. And, you know, and then there's been like this other recent dream, like I never wanted to have children. But now that we have two, I'm like, it's so it's kind of addictive because like you see having children. Yes. Like it's terrible. But you see like these like complex personalities just developing like every day. And it's fascinating to watch. And so it's like it makes me want to have like this huge family and like. I mean, I just can't, like, health-wise and physical-wise, and that even makes me sad, which is weird. That is interesting, because I don't, I have not seen you in that place in the last two years. Yeah, and I mean, Tim was the one that, like, prayed for years for my heart to change about having kids, because I did not want them. Yeah, we waited quite a while before we even started trying, and yeah, and it was sort of like we put it into God's hands, and we're like, okay, well, whenever you want to you know, want us to do this thing, God, you know, let it happen. And, uh, that even took a couple of years before, before, you know, we were pregnant with Simon. So anyway, like it wasn't a thing that we were like excited and eager about. And it was this like, like so many couples are, you know, I feel like that's the biggest disappointment that they deal with at our age level. Right. Like people who are in their early thirties, it feels like that's a very common, um, not common, but, but it feels like that's one of the powerful testimonies about disappointment and, uh, faith that the people of our, uh, current age are dealing with that and related miscarriage. Right. Which under, I understand, like, I, I think I understand as much as I can, but like, it was different from us. It was different for us because we weren't ex- excited in the beginning. It took a long time for us to get excited about it. And then when we, when we had them, like we've had some challenges 
in the medical area that have made it a lot more difficult to be, you know, to care for them as well as we would like to. Yes. And so that's what's weird that all of a sudden I'm having all these feelings about being sad about that, about that, about that challenge and, and, and just parenting, like in general, like it is very difficult to feel like you're, you're nailing it as a parent because every time, you know, like our oldest has had like some sensory issues and stuff, you know, so it's like, I've read up on it. I had a, you know, multiple therapists I was dealing with and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get this, you know, but then as soon as you work on that, then you have another issue coming up, you know, and now we're having like the extreme defiance, you know, and, and it's just like, it's hard to feel like, like, like that's not going to be an area that's going to really stroke your ego because every day is different, you know? And sure. I mean, oh my goodness, this kid like argues with his train cars and tells them that they're mispronouncing words. And it's like, <laughs> he just loves to argue so much about everything. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, to be fair on, on Thomas and friends, the, the train cars do talk. So, you know, <laughs> that's true. You can so, see why his imagination made that, but particularly. That's true. That's true. Cause I was but still, like, stuffed why? animals why? you would think would be more likely. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I mean, not that he doesn't argue with those, because he definitely does. But I'm just saying, I feel like a stick. He would. He would. He that. would have an argument with a stick. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. So one thing I love is I. Um, <laughs> he's gotten so upset at me about mowing the lawn. So I'll go out and I'll mow the grass and I'll use the weed whacker and knock down the weeds and stuff like that uh, because we have tall grass around us, hence why a deer felt comfortable giving birth (laughs) in our yard because we have lots of tall grass around the edges. Uh, So when I go out and mow, he gets so angry. He's like, daddy killed the beautiful grass. It was so pretty, but he knocked it down. I'm like, really? Come on. I don't even love yard work that much, but like... I still feel like it's important. I'm doing a good thing for him, and he doesn't see it that way at all. <laughs> Get like the death glare. <laughs> uh, childhood resentment about yard work. <laughs> well, okay, and so then you know, then the latest dream crushing, you know, was was feeling like when we went to Nepal, we were going to have like this more clarity about about missions, right. but instead, you know, like my health issues have become like okay, this is really truly very difficult. Yeah, which I mean, I don't know if that is part of the answer we received, but I, I hope not. But it's like, you know, we went there uh, exploring what kind of ministry you know we would be comfortable with and good at and called to. And so, like, just getting this, like, big, like, feeling of we're not capable of handling a whole class of problems was just disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and I think in in my past, um, you know, the time, I mean, I struggle with depression. And the time where my depression got the worst was when there was multiple dreams that were not coming through you know and I feel like it's that same kind of perfect storm where it just feels like there's disappointment and frustration in almost every part of my life right now and um I feel like so then there's the interesting thing of not going to that place like grieving and lamenting sure all the disappointment but then you know then what do you do when there's just so much disappointment that it's piling high yeah that's uh, yeah, I mean, that's one of those opportunities for faith to be exercised again, isn't it? 
Yes. You know, and I felt like one of the things that, um, you know, that I've been, that God's been encouraging me to do is to, you know, to look at his reaction or look at his face. And Tim asked me like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know what that means to like, look at his face. Like I know it means to get in the word and try to remember like who he is, but it's also very, it's, it's one of those things that you hear a lot, like keep looking at him at his face but then there's also like this like okay what's like the tangible i mean it's also an abstract concept it is as with everything it's our anytime we have to talk about our personal perception and interaction with god like we immediately have to grab these metaphors because there's not a there's not a way that we can describe the physical uh interaction like it's not that's not something that we can point to and say you know that i had this concrete non-abstract non-metaphorical interaction with god like it happens on the spiritual level and our spiritual uh self is different from the physical self which is why so many people have such problem with faith because that's like kind of a big leap to make right there is this disconnect and still believing that spiritual interaction has a real effect yeah yeah so then when you say look at his face like that's even more difficult because it's not even a voice it's not even a, a conversation it's a like i'm going to stare with my spirit at the face of god right huh right i don't know <laughs> you don't know either <laughs> But it's like, it feels like, you know, I've been, I've been in Daniel for some time. Uh, like I felt like kind of, you know, going into that before, before Nepal, I felt like that that was going to be important. Hmm. And then I keep going back to it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like there's, I don't know, like, I feel like one of my favorite scriptures is when Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego before they get thrown into the fire you know say like Nebuchadnezzar um you know you surely God can deliver us but even if he doesn't we still won't worship right. your gods right you know and and so that that sort of decision that I mean I feel like and I mean like, and there's even been at one point where I had this direct vision from God and you had an interpretation, which sounds a little crazy. Sorry to freak anyone out. But, you know, there's some certain visions and I'm like, but God could choose to make those happen. I mean, like Hebrews talks about how their dreams, all these people's dreams um, and were. words from God didn't happen until after they were gone, you know? And yeah. so I feel like there's a lot of room for things like that that could happen. So I'm like, I feel like God could give us all these things that he's been speaking to us in all these dreams. But then it's the chance to say, but even if he gives us nothing that we felt like he's giving us, that's that we're still going to follow him. And then that's when they saw him, when they saw Jesus, like in the furnace with them, that's when they saw his face, you know? Right. And so I'm like, kind of interesting that he then manifested himself like... So I don't really know where I'm going with that. It's just like, it's kind of the chicken or the egg. Like, do you look sure. at him first or is it like your statement of faith and then yeah. he shows up? <laughs> Man, I am, I am very interested in that idea of dreams, which will not be realized in a way that we can see, because then that opens up the idea in my mind that we are 
being a part of a realization of a dream that we didn't see that wasn't, you know, that people in the past worked towards and set up. Yes, it is a fascinating idea. And, you know, I just, I just pulled up that, that Hebrews 11 passage where it says, these were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. But they didn't, you know, receive receive these promises a lot of times in their lifetime. I mean, some of them, some right. of them did, you know, sure. like Joseph had his dreams and they came true and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like it is just kind of crazy because dreams are just very important to both you and I. And, um, and God just hasn't been bringing them out in the same way. Like if I, if I look at my life, I can list a huge amount of blessings but as far as some of these big overarching dreams that I would love to see happen, I haven't seen a lot of them happen. Hmm. Yeah, we've been pushed and pulled in different directions where we've been doing some fulfilling work and we've, you know, felt really blessed and covered with God's blessing on us in different ministries that we've worked in and different churches we've been a part of things with our family and just all these things we've gone through. But yeah, they haven't ever been directly tied to some of those big picture dreams. Yeah. Which is so crazy that God puts these in your heart and then, you know, decades pass and, and you wonder like, will it happen or will it be some aftermath or a seed that was done that then someone else carries on, you know? Or are we just picking up dreams that other people had <laughs> that we're continuing to carry on for them? Sure. Yeah, we don't know. I think uh, I think that's I think it's fascinating, and it, it kind of is encouraging too because it's like the work I do that where I don't see how it's going to connect to some of those things. Like that's okay. Like some of the work that I'm going to do i mean just effort that i put out there is going to be going towards things where god's still going to use it it's still going to be for the kingdom it's just not going to be clear how it connects because i haven't been privileged to all the dreams that are involved in it like what kind of work i don't know like like anything like our work with celebrate recovery our just talking to people randomly when we meet them are just running into people on the street i don't know i guess the 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 business work like i don't know just my time at my different places of employment the years i've spent being a developer and working with code and computers like somehow that is fulfilling things like it's not it, it's not nothing it's not going into the void Well, because that's been some of our struggle with, you know, right now you're doing some freelance work as we're figuring out what we're doing next, you know, and so you have to spend a lot of your effort each week to do that. And that's been some of the question is like, is this just the means to the end to bring money in so we can do the rest? But that seems, I mean, that is super depressing if you spend 40 or 50 hours a week doing something, you know. Yeah, looking I'm, looking for jobs or whatever, and it's not fulfilling this thing. And right, and on one level, I liked thinking that I was being honest with myself about that, but that's not sustainable. I'm not going to put forward that much effort each week for a long period of time with absolutely nothing for me beyond just uh, you know accumulating the resources necessary to do the next thing. Right. 
So, I mean, how how is the freelance business? Like, this is something that you've thought about um, for yeah. for a while, you know? So, I mean, how is it playing out compared to what some of your thoughts were? Yeah, it was interesting because you said you didn't realize that I've been dreaming about the freelance business no. off and on for years. Uh-uh. And I had had a few different tastes of doing independent work over the years, and but had kind of ignored it just because... I didn't feel like um, it was the right use of my time, right? I had a full-time job that provided for our family very well. And so I was like, well, it's not a great use of my time to try to build up a side business right now. Like things are going okay and, and I have a lot of other priorities on my plate. But yeah, being independent and especially like the way that uh, our culture and our world is going, it's becoming more and more reasonable for people like me to be independently employed employed like to find my own gigs to do work without a full-time you know contract but of course that goes with not having easy access to uh health insurance and uh the retirement savings plans like we have to figure all that stuff out in order to be good stewards of our time on earth and the money we've been entrusted with but the I, I don't know, like like those things that are, those things are just details and like the projects I choose and the way I do my work is important too. Like it's not just going to be just about getting enough resources to keep our family, you know, moving forward and healthy. It also, my work is going to have to be fulfilling in some other ways too. Like I'll... I'll want to branch out and not just do solely client work. I'll want to try to create, um, you know, content, you know, for lack of a better word, either videos or articles or things like that, or podcasts that add to our resources, you know, things that can be sold or can, you know, generate income through different means, but that are a way for me to fulfill my creative side without it being at the you know, request of someone else. Yeah. Like working for myself is more than just finding freelance contracts and working for other people for shorter periods of time. It should also be about doing work that is for Tim and Becca uh, directly. How can you be involved? Like, like the kids their involvement's always going to be sort of just observing and, and maybe learning from, from us as we do these things. But yeah, like what kind of work are we going to be able to do? That is something we're doing together as a team because, and this is something I think we've, we felt for a long time is that being married is more than just helping and supporting each other in a home life. Like we're a team that was put together to accomplish things together not just with you in a supporting role or just with me in a supporting role like we have talents and gifts and um desire to to do things for the kingdom that are done not apart but are done together right and i i don't think i thought of marriage that way before we were married no and i think a lot of people just have a different expectation and experience of marriage as well Right. Right. And I mean, and I can see where it works out because I mean, you know, like with the freelance business, like I can help you find or apply for jobs or I can help with 
you know, accounting and stuff. And so there's like this back and forth support and you support me in a lot of different ways, you know, with writing or with, with the kids during the day or whatever, you know, so there is like this give and take, but there's, there's, there's something though that still isn't quite quenched in our desire. It's just clearly a huge fraction of our time. Right. If I spend 45, 50 hours a week on this thing and you spend another 10 or 20 hours each week on this thing, then like it should be uh, something we both agree is important and that we want to work towards together. Right. Right. And I see it as important and valuable right now. But then there's that that trying to marry it with the idea of these other things that are in our hearts, you know, and it makes you practically, it makes me want to pull my hair out because I'm just like, God, like show us the next, the next thing, you know, like I feel like I just thought it would make more clear sense by this point. And Hmm. so, you know, trying to focus on that, that he's good and that he knows what he's doing and on those characteristics of him is, I mean, that's when it, that's when it gets hard for me. Like, and I know everybody has their own points in time where they struggle with their trust and who God is. But, but I mean, I think that that's one of my biggest times I struggle is with when it's just not making sense. Life and dreams and everything. (laughs) So this is one of those times where it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And it makes me want to, since, since, Every area of my life is entwined with some sort of dream that is not as far along as I would like it. It makes me want to play it safe and it makes me want to shrink, you know, because Ah. if I start pushing the boundary on any of these areas, then I come against that pain, you know, and so it makes me shrink and it makes me less effective. And so I think trying to still be risky and still trying to take leaps is, is a challenge, you know. So how does that, what does that temptation look like for us right now? Like that temptation to shrink back and take it easy or play it safe. Like what's, what does that look like? Yeah. You know, well, I mean, for me, like, it's like each morning I have that feeling of like, okay, I don't want to get out of bed because the safest place is in bed. But then I'm like, well, I know I need to take care of my kids and stuff, you know, so I can do that. But like trying to pursue I mean, I think I think playing it safe for me is acting like we didn't see what we saw. You know what I mean? And trying to just like live this regular life here and trying to be normal again mm. is like doing what we see the other people around us doing. Right. Dressing, acting, going the places where people go and doing the things that people do that we see our peers makes me feel like a fraud because I don't feel like that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And I don't know what it is, but, but me desperately trying to do that to feel less like a freak or something. Sure. Is, is, is playing it safe. Sure. Well, and I, I was watching this fascinating, like Beth Moore video on Daniel, you know, and she was, she was commenting about how Christians around the world can tend to see American Christians as being kind of lightweights, you know, because they get upset about smaller things, you know, and their lives aren't being at stake. Oh, and stuff. I just cannot find anyone who can make me a decent cappuccino. <laughs> Man. 
Not that I haven't complained about that myself. But, you know, know, but she was like, she's like the challenge. She's like, we will not be lightweights if we live in this culture that we live in and we don't become like the culture, you know? And so I feel like our culture is like a culture of freedom. Like our whole nation is founded on freedom. We have like 50,000 choices. And when we've gone overseas, we don't have those kind of choices. And we don't have that kind of like capacity for choice that that we do here you yeah. know like there's just time money and choices like all around just us. choices yep and so and what are most of those choices for it seems to be a lot about how to have fun and how to entertain ourselves best which is something that's like huge for you and i that yeah. we love to entertain ourselves and have yes, fun absolutely love it yep and so like how do we not become like the culture, like how is the way that God would have us not become like the culture? Because I mean, I don't want to be a lightweight, you know, of of Christianity. Like, and I mean, I think it is a huge challenge. Like, that's the American challenge. Like, other Christians' challenge around the world is persevering, persevering when their lives are at stake, or persevering when they're constantly sick and their kids are dying and they can't feed them. You know, and ours is to become not polluted by what's around us. Yeah. You know, and this kind, of, to... this kind of reminds me of that episode of The Office where they're doing the safety uh, seminar <laughs> for the warehouse employees, and then they do the safety seminar for the office employees <laughs> that are that work upstairs with the yes. copier. And it's like, the biggest threat to your health is the box <laughs> mushing machine. And then they go upstairs, and it's like, well, the biggest threat to your health is uh, sedentary lifestyle <laughs> leading to heart disease. Exactly. It does sound ridiculous, but I do think it's as big it is as big of a challenge in the way that there is just so much choice here so much freedom and so when when sinful people when who god loves and cleansed you know we're not like i mean we're sinners cleansed by god but when we still have a sin nature within us and we have 50 million choices facing us every day to make a consistent choice towards god with that many choices, I mean, that is, it is a big deal. It's not like, it's not like it's nothing. I mean, God placed us here and I believe he gives us as hard of tests, but it's a different test and it's a test we don't even know we're under. Yeah. Yeah. We're surrounded by these idols and we're trying to navigate our way out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, don't you think that's a big deal to to try to navigate? I mean, do you think it's not a big deal or not a struggle? I, no, or? of course it's a struggle. Like it's it. I think you're absolutely right in identifying the overarching a challenge to the American church, especially as it compares to the global church. And I mean, obviously, the American church sees itself as being the most important and being the real church, even though we make up a we're not a majority of the Christians in the world by any stretch. Like we're definitely a minority of the Christians around the world. And I think, yes, I think we are seen as lightweights. That would be totally fair for people to see us that way. And I do, I see the, I see that challenge of resisting the idols and going against the culture as being the biggest thing. And it's something we've heard talked about for years and years But what do we do in the daily life? How do we, how do we deal with that on a day to day basis? Yeah, 
I mean, that's that's for each person. It's going to be a little bit different. They're going to have to look at their own situation and and see. But for me in my situation, it's I mean, it's probably media and entertainment. I've been feeling convicted about music that I've listened to lately when I don't know where I heard it or who was talking, but someone was talking about just uh, what you soak in, like what God wants you to soak in him, his word, glorifying and worshiping him. And it's like, when I work, I turn on background music and I don't listen actively to it. Like I'm not a music person. So I usually turn on things that I won't be paying attention to. Like I can't work while I listen to podcasts. It just engages the verbal part of my brain too much but listening to music just does not engage that part of my brain i don't hear the lyrics and so i probably listen to a lot of music with lyrics that are not good not honoring and are definitely of this world because i just turn on whatever you know station has a sound that i like that makes so much sense you know and i think i've been feeling convicted about the whole you know just looking to his face but in the way of like just needing him constantly because it was very obvious to me while I was in Nepal like how constant I needed him like it was just constant because you know and I know that I mean we were blessed in so many ways while we were there and I know some people it may not have been such a challenge but it was to me going into a culture that was just so different and um yeah and just having the sickness and the boys and the physical envelopment. And so, I mean, it was just like, I was like hanging on him and I was hanging on anybody that was like him, you know, like it was like, I have anyone who was a Christian who was like, like God, because I mean, I have social anxiety. So my, my primary thing is not going to be loving to, the random people that but, were running to on the street. But I was like, I was so thirsty. Like, I just I just needed to be around them there, you know, and I needed that. I, it was like, I needed that to survive, you know? And so, like, but I could go through a whole day here. And, I mean, I'd be frustrated and upset and stuff. But there's something different about the mix where I can tell myself that I don't really need it. And I can fulfill myself. I can fill myself up with enough various things to not need to constantly be aware of him. Hmm. And I can do that easily for quite some time, you know, and I can get miserable and like, it's all fake, but, but there's something about it that's possible here where it wasn't there. And so I think like, that's the struggle for me here is like needing that constantly and making, making that choice to remember that I need him to breathe and, you know. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It really does come down to that level. Like he breathes life into mankind and we're continuing that. Anyway. Yeah. it, It gets pretty metaphysical pretty quickly there. But do you think like, I mean, do you think that we are, branded that we have to be lightweights being being here in america do we have to be or could we be like heavy lifters no and i don't think it's just about denying ourselves of physical comforts i think it's it is more about our attitudes and our focus it is it is about where we're putting our time and our energy not about 
how nice our house is or how nice our car is, even though that's a tempting place to just judge ourselves and judge others. Like, oh, I drive a bad car. So I clearly, (laughs) I love Christ more. Yeah. (laughs) Take that. (laughs) VW driver in a church parking lot. What are you thinking? You know, if you, if you owned a BMW, like as a Christian, it'd probably be wise to keep like, you know, a junky old minivan around just to take that to church because you wouldn't want people judging you. How sad is that? It's so superficial. Like it's it's not any better because it's still being superficial. Oh, that person is very superficial. They drive a fancy car. It's equally superficial to judge someone about that. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but I do feel that way sometimes. So I, right. I I think like I think the the way we spend our money and our resources is an indication of where our heart is. I agree with that. But at the same time, like like we can just sort of live in whatever way we're living, and still at the same time be, you know, responsible Christ followers who give back and who do ministry and who, you know, use those resources the majority of the time for things that are furthering the kingdom. Yeah. Was that what you asked? Was that, did I miss something? No, that was good. If we're being watered, we're going to grow. So, I mean, no matter where we're at, no matter where, where we are, if we are soaking up you know, the water of life, then we're going to grow in that direction. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, maybe that's all it really comes down to. Yeah. So that's really not based on our circumstances and our surroundings at all. It's really more about our, our heart and our soul and our mind, you know, how much are we allowing it to be steeped in the, uh, spiritual connection with god but i think it behooves us behooves, behooves us Timothy. no wait we don't want that <laughs> i think it behooves us timothy um to know though where we're living and did to you know... just call me timothy i sure did oh boy yeah okay to know where, where we're living so that we know what um oh, i mean because we're getting water yes. and we're focusing on the water but it's like we've got to know what kind of sure what battle we're fighting totally that's the intelligence right we need to no that makes total sense we we need to have intelligence about what the enemy's going to do and what places we're vulnerable yeah and i don't want to feel like a shame for living in america because of some of those easy factors you know mm-hmm. but because that's like the temptation too is like to feel shame because there's people sure. being martyred and it's not happening here here you know and so but i'm like so but i i want to know you know what the what the yeah what the intelligence is what the Mm. soil is here you know and and um i think you know i think it's like um i want us yes i want us to know what's around us and i want us to then i i don't remember if i've if i've talked about this on the the podcast before but um you know, we, we named our son, our first son, Simon Daniel, which Tim graciously let us name his middle name Daniel because that's not really his favorite name, but he loves me a lot. Mm-hmm. And he knows that I don't I love that name. But, you know, that name means like God alone is my judge, you know? Mm. And his first name, Simon, means like he who hears. So, like, my prayer always for him is that, you know, like the blessing on him would be that he only listens to God and cares about what God wants. And so far, I mean, he definitely only, he doesn't care about what anybody says, you know? So far, that's accurate. So but, far, yeah, the opinions but, of the people around him 
don't seem to weigh very heavily on his heart. <laughs> but now, you know, the excitement will be to see will he get the other part where he cares about what God says, you know? And yeah. and then I think that's the challenge of being a parent is trying to get them to listen to your voice so that they're ready to listen to the voice of God, you know, sure. and, and be able to listen to that and stuff. And and so, I mean, that's that's what, I mean, that's what would be cool about being here is, is um, your eyes are wandering. Am I like going off too long on no, a subject? No, I'm listening. Sorry. I was just wondering if it's like, that is your way of saying, <laughs> wrap it up, Becca. <laughs> no, no, we are, we're at 55 minutes. Oh my goodness. So I, I was thinking maybe we should save the anecdote about the name meaning for the next episode. Okay. Okay. But I... But I see, like, how it's connected. Right. And we can take it out, you know. I think, but yeah, that that was really all just that I had to say about this was just that I feel like with our culture, hearing, just caring what God alone thinks about us and our walk with him sure. is, is going to be a big deal. Because I want... I want to be doing something bigger and better so that I have like a huge crown to throw at his feet when we get there. Because, you know, that's kind of my personality is sure. like, let me earn like a big old reward, you know? Yeah. But I mean, I also understand that, that, that there's a lot in my heart that is incorrect with that because I mean, we are going for like the eternal reward and yes. this is a temporary life, but I also don't want to, you know, try to like, compete with the world so that i get the biggest crown because that's got the, it that's the element of my personality like what i want to do yeah got it yeah i you suckers other christians <laughs> i will be in a tougher circumstance place. than you <laughs> oh man i wonder how many people like who are close to us look at us and do think that that we're trying to like put ourselves into like a tougher circumstance for perhaps i don't know like i worry about that how people see us of course and i worry that they see us trying too hard but that's the thing though like though but then you know so i know that i have that in me but i know god constantly refines that you know what i mean and so it's like that's not truly where i mean but i i i don't want to like we're saved by grace but i don't want to just wander through life though either so i think there is a good element in it like hmm. when it's like you know when it's not just for works and stuff yeah. but we know where we're going anyway like right. there's also that whole part though where i mean i want to be like paul that beats his body sure. to bring the gospel and to you know to to do what we're called to do because I think people can take that as an excuse to not be active and to not push themselves out of their comfort zone. I think that that can also happen, you know, to be like in the pursuit of not being work driven or like putting yourself in a hard position. I think that can be an excuse or at least it can be for me to then then I go to that other side of things where I lay in bed. You know what I mean? Sure. So I think there's like the opposite side where it can be used as an excuse. I don't know if that made sense. Yeah. No, it does. It, it absolutely does. And um, I like, I, I, <laughs> I like how the name that we chose for our children says a lot more about us than oh, it does yeah. about them. 
but then but oddly enough it's happening <laughs> but you're right it does say a ton about us yes it's just ironic to be i think it's true yeah. it's true but it was also then we chose for andrew like the name meaning a man of peace mm-hmm. solomon is his middle name so it was like our blessing we wanted to give our kids a blessing yeah and if god honors it so far andrew is a man of peace <laughs> he's He's, you know, he's very sweet. shivering to death, like from getting out of the pool and he can't stop shivering. And he's like, no, Simon cold. <laughs> and he wants me to take care of Simon first. And he's yes. like shivering to death, yes, you know. Yes. So, yes. so far they're coming true. But <laughs> okay, well, a lot of years ahead of us still. <laughs> it's true. So we'll see if it's true. <laughs> we're listening back on this episode from far we'll in the future. We'll be like, he was not a man of peace. <laughs> we were so far off. <laughs> Uh, oh well so now it's time for the trivia game um so tim i chose one to make up for the horror that was your last experience i I tell you what, i'm gonna play the game a little differently this round (laughs) i chose one that i thought that you would really love and but did you pick an easy one well that's what i'm worried about that it'll be easy for you all right well let's find out so then it'll be like but then you'll have to choose an easy one for me so Mm, do i well if you're kind Mm. if you love me maybe if not throwing any gills i'm just saying if that seems fair that seems fair to hold that over me Mm -hmm. okay for 10 points it was developed by the u.s in a world war ii in world war ii not in a World War II, in the only World War II. Okay, I think I know what it is. By a team of Hartford chemists. Oh. Okay. Hartford? Harvard. Harvard. I have a cold, so my if my voice sounds slightly different, or it gets a little bit even fuzzier with the cold. Okay. okay. Which I thought I sounded pretty good for having a cold, but whatever. Okay, so Clue, do you know this already? I've got one thing in my mind that it can be right now. Okay. I have, a, I have a, a short, very short list. For nine points. At the time, it was difficult to manufacture because the process used natural rubber, which was in high demand and expensive. Interesting. Isn't it? Huh. Well, okay. Now I've got something different in my mind. For eight points, its original ingredients were... Uh, co-precipitated aluminum, salts of, uh, n- um, I really should have looked at this before so that I wouldn't embarrass myself <laughs> with my pronunciation. Co-precipitated <laughs> aluminum, if you're British. Yes. Salts of naphthenic and palmitic acids. It's N-A-P-H-T-E-H-E-N-I-C. Naphthalitinic. Okay. All Ready right. for clue seven? Okay. Do you know the answer yet? I. I still. It's the first thing I thought it could be. It still maybe could be that, but now I'm like, there's a whole bunch of other things I'm thinking it could be now. Interesting. Okay. Seven. It was first used in bombs on July seventeenth, nineteen forty-four, when it was dropped on a Nazi fuel depot in France. Okay, I know what it is now. Okay, are you? So you've locked in your answer for seven points. Yep, I shouldn't have. Okay, you you're it's, locked in. I'm locked in. It's at okay. Seven. I'm locked okay. in. Okay, I'm gonna go through these really quick so the audience at home can can play along. Six. Apart from being used in bombs, it's also used in flamethrowers. Are you still correct, do you think? Yes, yeah, okay. I'm definitely correct now. 
Five, apart from its destructive capabilities, it also had a strong demoralizing effect, which would lead enemy soldiers to surrender. Four, it can kill or wound in various ways, two of which are immolation and asphyxiation. Oh, immolation is such a good word. Isn't it? A terrible thing, but it's such a fun word to say. (laughs) Three points. Water boils at 100 degrees Celsius. This substance generates temperatures of 800 to 1200 degrees Celsius. Two, it's been known to produce scars on people called keloids. K-E-L-O-I-D-S. Hmm, colloids. Interesting. One, bombs containing this substance were frequently used in the Vietnam War. And the answer is... Napalm. Correct! Did you get it for seven points? Yes. Was that the first thing that was in your head? Yes, it was. What? Well, good thing you played it safe, because now I have a chance at coming back. So the score stands now seven to zero. All right. But I'm behind a round, so the next round is, next round is you your, set the bar high. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. I love that because then the pressure's on you because then at like number eight, you're going to be really like pressured to like make a guess. And I do not do well under pressure. Uh-huh. Let's just say that. <laughs> so this is going to be fun. <laughs> Man. Okay. Well, I think that's a good place to end it. Okay. It's been another episode of the Good Words Podcast. You can find us online at terribleaudio.com. And uh, if you have any comments or questions for us, you can send email to followup at terribleaudio.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate it greatly and appreciate you. Yeah, and if you uh, feel like doing something for us, you can go and rate us on the iTunes store. You can give us a rating there. Um, Or if you're using some other podcast application that allows you to put ratings in, go ahead and do that there. Uh, Or just, you know, drop us an email and let us know that that you appreciate it. So, um, and if you don't, that's totally fine because we've only sent this out to like friends and family so far and they probably just assume that we know that they appreciate us. So we do know that. If you're just a friend and family, like you can still send an email or send us a comment, but, um, you know, I think we do like kind of want this podcast to grow beyond just our immediate circle. Yes. And, and we're hoping to maybe shorten it. I mean, we don't mean to make it painfully long to everyone. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of hard to know on the podcast front. A lot of podcasts are quite lengthy and some are kind of short. So we're still kind of playing around with, with what length we'd mm-hmm. like it. But I think that's the thing that makes me feel a little guilty is being yeah. like, listen to this hour long thing. discussion. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, that's how it works. I, but, I play my podcasts at like 1.7 or 1.8 <laughs> speed, uh, to like, you know, 80% faster than normal. So that's. Well, I don't mind as much. It's like, oh, well, it's only, it's an hour, but that'll be over in about 42 minutes or something like that. So, <laughs> so maybe hopefully someday we'll, we'll shorten up. But right now, anyway. here we are. Here we are. <laughs> okay. I can apologize. <laughs> All right. Uh, bye, people. Bye. Bye. <laughs>